We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans. Top 100 list sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's definitely what we're going to be talking about today and touching on the top 100 piece of trash that the NFL has released. Uh, we also have an interview that I did with Chris Harry, the Chargers reporter, which will play throughout uh, during kind of the middle of this episode. And then we're going to finish the episode with the top 10 receipt or top 10 quarterbacks, excuse me, that the three of us have prepared. And it's worth mentioning as well that all of the Chargers rookies have signed. I think Kenneth Murray is the only one that is left to sign, but the Chargers have agreed to terms with him. So that being said, let's get into this NFL Top 100. Uh, there were a lot of bad rankings, but obviously, you know, Keenan Allen is the one that we're here to talk about. Jason and I have been very active on Twitter today about this and Alex as well. Uh, Jason, I'll start with you because I can see you're kind of just chomping at the bit. Uh, what are your thoughts? Just just give me some some rant about this Keenan Allen ranking. Just rant? Just get it all off yeah. my chest? Okay, so. <laughs> all right. All right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what I've told a lot of people today. If you are the best at what you do, it makes you an elite football player. If you are not the best at what you do, it leaves it up for discussion. Keenan Allen is the best route runner in the NFL. And all these corners are saying it. All these corners are saying so. Richard Sherman um, and Darius Slay, these guys. Stephon Gilmore said it. Stephon Gilmore, Chris Harris. Uh, Chris Harris was saying it when those guys were rivals. So it's like all these guys are saying this dude is the best route runner in the NFL. 
how many people have gone and said, oh, Mike Evans, best 50-50 ball specialist in the NFL? I've never heard that. Okay? And it would be a lie because you have Julio Jones out there. You have Odell Beckham. You have these these dudes that like Allen Robinson and um, DeAndre Hopkins. These, these guys all do – they all do it better than Mike Evans. And even if some of those are debatable, the ones that are not debatable are DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. Those guys are close to the same archetype that Mike Evans is, but they do it better. So right. if Mike Evans, if it's debatable whether he's even number three or not at best at what he does, how can you say that Keenan Allen is not on your level? Right? How can others say that Keenan Allen isn't top ten if he has the best at his archetype in a day and age where separation is key among NFL wide receivers, how is Keenan Allen behind Larry Fitzgerald? How is he behind Stefan Diggs? How is he behind Amari Cooper? Because he Amari Cooper doesn't have the reliability that Keenan Allen does. It's all flash. So he was also behind Tyler Lockett and Jarvis Landry. Ugh. Tyler Lockett, I'm actually kind of proud that Tyler Lockett was ranked so highly because that dude is underrated as heck. So underrated. He is, um, he is very underrated. So I'm actually really happy about that one because I do think he deserves to be high up on that list. I think he actually deserves, deserves to be a little higher. And I'm not knocking that Tyler Lockett is that high up on the list. I'm knocking that Keenan Allen is so un- disrespected by his peers. So, allegedly supposedly that they go to players and ask for their opinions. But every you go and ask every corner in the league, every number one corner. So if you go and ask 32 corners in this league, who is the toughest receiver to guard? I bet you at least half would say Keenan Allen. I would bet you at least half say Keenan Allen. Uh, maybe not to maybe not maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. I'm sure some would say Julio Jones. I'm sure some would say Tyreek Hill because of the speed. But it's like he would be up there in in the top mentions for sure, right? And I'm going to bring this back up. I talked about this when we did our top ten receiver list. If you can put Michael Davis in a safety against Tyreek Hill and shut him down for the game. How is he? How is he higher? How is he a better receiver? Because I've seen Keenan Allen get triple teamed. We've all seen it. We all watch the games. We've all seen Keenan Allen get triple teamed, and he still puts in work. It's the reason Mike Williams would have no would be a one on one against a corner sixty yards downfield with no safety help. Is because these guys were all shifting towards Keenan Allen because they know that if he gets hot, it's over. It that, that offense is cooking. So. My thing is, Mike Evans, if you put a safety downfield and just have that corner one-on-one, and there's videos of it, there's videos of it, of uh, the Saints locking him down repeatedly because they just man up on him and then cover him with a safety over the top. And he gets locked down. Have you ever seen Keenan get locked down like that? To where he's helpless. He can't separate at all. I thought that clip was so funny because 
he was like, whoa, 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 their defense had a good game against me. And it's like, well, Marshawn Lattimore guarded you like 90% of snaps. Yep, so, and he shut you down. Yeah. So, like, for me, I'm looking, I'm looking at these receivers that he mentioned, and it was kind of like, I was wondering, why did he pick these receivers? Why did he pick Tyreek Hill? Why did he pick Mike Evans? And why did he pick Chris Godwin? And I don't know if players get, like, a, a vision into the future. Like, if they get to see the top 100 list before everybody else. I don't think so, because Devontae Adams seemed pretty surprised about it. Um, but he he kind of targeted receivers that weren't technically refined, that relied yeah. on something. Chris Godwin, he relies on his after-the-catchability. He separates well. I actually like Chris Godwin a lot. Um and then Mike Mike Evans, who can't, can't separate save his life, and then Tyreek Hill, who relies a lot on his athleticism. But to be fair, I think Tyreek Hill is pretty good freaking route runner, and his body control is just ridiculous. So I'm just I'm looking at these at these receivers, and I'm wondering like what what made Keenan Allen so pissed off at those guys specifically? Like yeah. why why do you, why do you at these guys? And maybe maybe those are guys that he was kind of tipped off didn't like him. I mean that wouldn't make sense because Tyreek and him seem to be good buddies. Um, but it was to me, he's kind of pissed off because his technical refinement and hard work isn't getting respected, and so he's kind of pissed off about these guys with natural talent that are able to use their natural talent to carry them. And so I, I think that's what he's getting at here in a way is these guys have more natural talent than me, but I still think I'm the better receiver. Like they're faster, yeah. they're deep threats, but put me, put me on a third down, ask for a more consistent, reliable receiver, and it's me. And again, I've, I've said this multiple times. It just depends on what you value in a receiver. I like that consistency. I like that um, third down uh, clutch factor to it. And I like separation. So to see Keenan Allen at 77 and Devontae Adams in the 50s. And I know we're about to see Mike Evans. I know we're about to see Chris Godwin. I know, I know like you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. I'm, I'm, I'm almost scared what else we're going to see. Yeah, it's been, it's been frustrating to watch this list come out and see all these receivers go ahead of him. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on the Keenan Allen Ray Keen specifically? Uh, before I get to Keenan Allen specifically, I want to say that this list was null and void the moment that Josh Allen was on it. Uh, the moment <laughs> that Josh Allen was on it, this list was null and void and should have just been deleted off Twitter entirely. Um, okay. No lies detected. <laughs> uh, Keenan Allen, I, I don't understand the Keenan Allen ranking from the standpoint of Keenan Allen was 38 on the list last year, and he had seven more receptions this year, uh, and more yards, and he dropped 50 points, or 40 points, or whatever right. it was. Like, how does that make sense? Like, I, I don't... Um, was it because Keenan Allen tweeted about Le'Veon Bell's shitty rap track, and then people just... <laughs> <laughs> was it because of that? I don't know. 
Um, Le'Veon Bell's just like, he's not even in here. Getting out 1,000 on my list. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what it is, because if the players... I don't know if the players vote on this list, but if the players have impact on this list and Keenan Allen drops 40 spots despite having a better year than he had previously, I don't know what to think other than, you know, some players got pissed off or they Keenan Allen, you know, so, something happened with the players or something, or maybe the league just makes this list and then says the players contribute to it. It's probably that, but... It's just, like, it's so confounding to me that he had a better year than maybe the best year of his career, uh, other than the, th- uh, the what was it, the 2017 year. Um, other than that, though, I mean, this was, a, you know, either the first or second best year of his career, and he drops 40 spots. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. But then again, there's a lot of weird ones like that. Fletcher Cox also dropped, like, 50 spots. Um just kind of for no reason, and there were a lot of ones like that, where it's just like, I don't know how this list is being made, I think this list is a bunch of uh, pishy-cocky nonsense, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I I don't know if this list is based on player popularity, I don't know what it's based on, but it certainly isn't based on who are the top 100 best players in the league, and Keaton Allen should be in the top 50 for sure. Keenan dropping from where he was to like the fifties. Like I could understand that, you know, there is this, this argument of like, he wasn't on a winning team and like all this stuff. And I, I just like, there is a difference between, you know, who is popular and who is flashy and who is actually legit and who is actually a top tier player. And that's definitely Keenan Allen. Um, another one that, you know, I'd be shocked if this ends up happening, but Casey Hayward is not going to make this list. Nope. And, there are corners that have come off the list so far that you know, I think Darius Slay at 92 is is disrespectful. I think Darius Slay is, is constantly underrated. I think he's one of the better corners in the league. And then you had you know Marlon Humphrey was really high up there. Marcus Peters I think so far has been the highest corner. And I Logan I Ryan hate that. is on there. Logan Ryan's not even on a team, and he's on he's on there. So yeah, I think Joey Bosa is probably going to come off somewhere in the 30s tomorrow. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I'd be shocked if Casey Hayward comes on this list, and you know it's just unfortunate to see. And like I said, once Darius Slay came off the board at ninety-two, I was like, this list is going to be atrocious. Yeah, I don't even know if Derwin James is going to be on the list. I don't know that Derwin James is going to be on the list. I don't think Melvin Ingram is going to be on the list. Um, Derwin, I can understand because of the injury, but then you look at a guy like JJ Watt who missed a ton of games last year. You know, there are other guys on this list that have that yeah. missed a lot of games last year. And so if other players get the, well, we know what he's about, then Derwin James should get that same treatment. I thought we would see Austin Eckler make an appearance. Yeah. I thought, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Uh, Philip Rivers probably isn't going to be on there. Uh, I mean, I, he might sneak in there, but I don't think he is uh, going to be. Not at this point. I, I think if he was going to sneak on, it would have been in like the 60s or 70s. Austin Eckler is another one that's really frustrating because Chris Carson makes this list who fumbles once a game. Like I don't understand this yeah. fascination that the other players, alleged players who are voting have with running backs. And yeah, you know, it's been hilarious watching these players talk about the other 
their peers and it's like well he's a dog and it's like well can we come up with some other verbiage besides he's a dog because that applies to like 75 players around the league so another player i could maybe see there is chris harris but he didn't make the list at all last year i don't think and then um brian bulaga maybe um but at this point i think his time has passed i mean he is a top three-ish tackle in the nfl uh right tackle in the nfl so i mean i could still see him showing up on the list but i i don't know at this point what to expect from chargers players making the list i almost kind of expect mike williams to make the list (laughs) (laughs) i i i'm waiting for it and i'll lose it i will lose it i'll be happy for him but i'm just gonna be like what in the hell and would you be surprised, Stephen, if Mike Williams popped up in like the in the late thirties? Yeah, at this point, I would be shocked if he popped up. If he had made the list, like in the nineties, you know, I would have been like, okay, like that makes sense. I can kind of understand, you know, players love that guy who just lays it all in line, like Mike Williams does. But if he jumped up in the thirties, man, I'd be shocked. I'd be very upset. Um Melvin Gordon, former Charger, might be on here somewhere. No, he always tends to. He always tends to be up there. Other Even players bad love him, years. Man. Not after other last players year, love man. him. It would be he, too. Far. He had some bad years where he averaged like three point six seven yards per carry, and he was on there. I so I think the list is is he was number. It's going to be really interesting. Last year. He was. It's going to be really interesting to see who else comes out because. I mean, like, even Chris Jones was pretty low, I think. And, you know, Alex mentioned Fletcher Cox. Like, there were some top-tier elite players at their position who were really low. Also, Alex, and... you got to remember that Todd Gurley was on the list. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> uh... Yeah, there's still, like, someone like Alvin Kamara. I could see him coming out tomorrow. Alvin's even though he had kind of a down Kamara year. was 42. 42. Oh, he is 42? Okay. Uh, anyways, so. this list is awful. It's the worst. Nobody likes it. Um, I haven't seen a single person happy with it. Mike Evans is going to be happy with it because he's going to be like number 10 or something stupid because people like the <laughs> 50-50 receiver that can just go and ju- I jump, I catch ball. Good job, Mike Evans. And there's still is a, like a, a good amount of pass rushers left that need to come off like you know uh, TJ Watt, Vaughn Miller, Chandler Jones should be on this list. So it'll be really interesting to see how it comes out. Um, any other thoughts about the NFL Top 100 before we get to this interview with Chris Harry? Uh, Jimmy G sucks. It's <laughs> my only other opinion. Yeah. yeah. So what are, what are the chances we think that Carson Wentz comes off the board tomorrow? Uh, it's pretty low at this point. I, I, he should have been in the 60s somewhere, but I, I don't see it. I mean, maybe we're going to get into our quarterback lists pretty quick here. So if I if it were up to me, he would be on this list because, listen, if Dak made this freaking list. And Jimmy G and Josh Allen and even Kyler Murray, who I really like. but There has got to be like eight more quarterbacks that make this list at this point. Yeah. At least. I think he's... I bet you like 10 out of the, the next 30-something are going to be quarterbacks yeah i think i think Wentz will be somewhere between 40 and 35 somewhere in that range if he's not and he doesn't make the list at all 
Um, I think we seriously have to consider uh, motions to ban the NFL from the country uh, if Josh Allen is ranked over Carson Wentz. But, no. That's so bad. The Josh Allen thing, it was so funny because they were talking about all these physical attributes. He's really fast, and he can run people over. And it's like, well, what can he do as a quarterback? You could throw a ball hard. <laughs> anyway, so that that was the NFL Top 100 list. You know, I, it's just been so disappointing. I can't speak for other years. This has really been the first year where I've like watched all of it because there's nothing else on TV right now. Um, but it has been all over the place. Listen, if this was an NFL Top 100 on shot put, Josh Allen would probably win. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would. Josh Allen's not even. Uh, the number one Josh Allen in the league. <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, the edge rusher for the Jaguars. Yeah. That's right. I forgot Josh, about Allen's, that. Josh Allen's a top two Josh Allen. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I'd say Josh Allen is a little bit better than Josh Allen. <laughs> but there's is some leeway there between the Allens. <laughs> you know, it's funny that his, uh, I think their cousin, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen actually had a better year throwing the football than Josh Allen did. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't think I would go this far. <laughs> oh, he threw for more yards and he had a better completion percentage, man. No, he did not. There's no way. Fact check um, it right now, Steven. Alex and I will right stall. Now. Listen, <laughs> if there is any way that Kyle Allen had more yards and completion percentage than Josh Allen, I am going to laugh for <laughs> ever. I, think. I mean, like... <laughs> Because Kyle Allen was awful. <laughs> so Kyle Allen threw for 3,322 yards and had 17 touchdowns. Uh, completion percentage was 62. So let's go to Josh Allen now. Uh, my mind is blown. I didn't know he threw that for that much yards. Josh Allen threw for 3,089 yards. 20 touchdowns, and 58% completion percentage. 20 touchdowns? Yeah, he had 20 touchdowns. So Josh had more touchdowns, but By less three? completion percentage. By three? By three. And oh. Kyle, Allen only, Kyle Allen only played like 11 games. <laughs> yeah, I'm Ky- losing it. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Didn't they bench Kyle Allen for Will Greer? <laughs> yeah, they did, man. Oh, no. I had no idea. Hey, but Josh Allen can run, though. <laughs> that man run fast and he tried. So we're not even sure that Josh Allen is the best Allen, but somehow he made the list. Roger Goodell, yeah. if if you had any involvement in making this list, uh I you should expect uh the uh Billy Madison uh shit at your door uh treatment. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Where is his spot on this list? Uh, Alright, that was that was a good fun that was that was a good segment. So let's get to this uh, interview I had with Chris Harry. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, here it is. All right, guys. So happy to be joined now by Chris Harry, the Chargers reporter, who's doing a lot of great things and keeping the content coming even amidst through the, the coronavirus pandemic. It's been so much fun. You know, listen to all the interviews and stuff that's been going on in Chargers Weekly and reading stories. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Steven, I appreciate you having me, buddy. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So happy to have you on and so happy to be inching closer to football season. I don't know about you, but it's been a, been a struggle without football. 
Yeah, we're getting there. You know, it was the off season was busy for the Chargers, right? You talk about a, right. a, a new uniform, free agency, the draft, um, so so many exciting things on the horizon. This new stadium, um, and you know, you hit your the kind of the natural lull here in July, but but uh, rookies are reporting to camp. Vets uh, will soon be there as well, so. Uh, hopefully some some on the field stuff to talk about here very shortly. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about that stadium. I don't know if you've been recently. Uh, I don't know if there will be fans coming into this into SoFi Stadium this year. But what can you tell our listeners just about you know the the spectacle that will be SoFi Stadium in the future? Man, I, there's nothing like it. Uh, there truly is nothing like it. It's a it's a palace. It's going to be one of the the crown jewels of the NFL. And just to, to have a stadium like that in Los Angeles and to have the Chargers uh, be able to play in this stadium, and it is going to be so much fun for the fans to when they are allowed to be there to eventually uh, – you're going to have to go a bunch of different times to see everything that this thing entails. And, and it's not going to be football games or just football games, rather. You have, you have concerts, you have Super Bowls, right. you're going to have the Olympics. So um, – it is, it's certainly a crown jewel and um, the Chargers, you know, especially if you have a, a good season I and mean, we, we talk about all the players and personalities on this team, couple that with the, the stadium. Um, I mean, this is the ultimate prime time place to watch a, a Monday night game or a Sunday night game in, in the coming years. Uh, I'm excited for the fans to see so far when they're allowed to be in it. Yeah, that's, that's definitely going to be an exciting time. I liked, uh, you know, digging these sports health park more than most. I thought it was super cool to be in such an intimate setting for football. You know, we're so used to having these huge stadiums, but I'm definitely excited for uh, SoFi Stadium. Another exciting thing that's happened in, in you know, the offseason is that the Hard Knocks is coming to L.A. for both that's Chargers right. and Rams. I think that's going to be a great experience. You know, unfortunately, with the coronavirus, there's not going to be a preseason, but uh, – how do you think the virus and things like that are going to impact how much access hard knocks and media members are going to have during training camp? Well, it's a good question because I think this is the 15th edition of hard knocks and, and it's already unconventional because you have two teams on it, right? You have the Rams right. and the chargers. Uh, so I am as fascinated as fans are in terms of what it's going to look like. It's probably going to be a lot of zooms, but I'm sure that there's going to be some access to certain players and coaches. Um, it, it's going to be different, obviously with no preseason because that's right. pretty much, you know, you have five episodes, you see camp, then you see preseason game one, two, three, and four leading up to, to opening day, the, to opening kickoff. But uh, I will say this, the Chargers just announced that they're going to be doing a, uh, a live post show after hard knock so uh, basically if you watch it on Tuesdays I believe it's at seven o'clock Pacific time tune into any of the Chargers properties at eight o'clock um, there's going to be a live reaction show with uh, insiders alumni members of the hard knocks camera crew to, to kind of take you behind the scenes so the Chargers are really kind of on the forefront of, of really making this experience for Chargers fans pretty cool to to continue that conversation after each episode. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and you know, this team has so many personalities. So I'm actually scratching my head as to who they're going to showcase, right? There's right. always a few guys yeah. that are their favorites. 
is it going to be Derwin? Is it going to be the money badger? Is it going to be Ingram? You know, there's, there's a lot of different guys that you can point to. Yeah. I, I personally am a big fan of hard knocks. I love being able to get that insight in, you know, they always feature kind of like a, a guy who's on the, on the cusp of, make, of making the roster, which I think is such unique insight. And really, like you mentioned, you know, the Chargers do a fantastic job of, of putting out content. So everyone that can and wants to watch is able to. And I think that is one thing that you and, and Haley Elwood and, and guys like Daniel Popper have done so great uh, throughout this offseason. So I do want to ask about some on-field questions. And particularly, you know, right now, the, the hot topic is, of course, the lack of the preseason. And we ha- on our show have talked about how the Chargers have done such a great job of finding undrafted free agents to come in and contribute. You know, you look at Michael Davis, Austin Eckler, and all these guys, even Trevor Williams in his day, and Dontrell Inman. How do you think specifically the Chargers are impacted by the lack of preseason in terms of finding these guys? It's a great question, and and I think it's not just the Chargers. I I think all 32 teams, um, if you're an undrafted free agent, uh, plain and simple, it's just going to be – more difficult to, I think, make this team because you're not going to have the requisite amount of reps. And keep in mind, uh, a lot of these undrafted free agents, Austin Eckler talked about this in the offseason, he needed those OTAs to get on coaches' radars in the first place. And and he didn't make the team until the fourth preseason game of the year where he showed out against the 49ers. That was the reason – he made the team. So, you know, that final preseason game, that's kind of like the Super Bowl for a lot of these undrafted free agents to, to show what they can do. I remember seeing Austin in that number three jersey, yeah. uh, I guess the 49ers that one year. It was, it was pretty crazy to see. So um, I, I, I bet my, my guess is different teams will handle it differently, um, but it's going to be tougher, no doubt about it, to, to have an undrafted free agent make the 53-man roster. Now, with practice squads increasing and, and, you know, with some things to be figured out, um, you know, maybe there are some opportunities for these guys to, to land on the practice squad and, uh, and stay connected to the team that way. But um, it, it's just going to be difficult. You know, a guy like Roger Teamer was an undrafted free agent last year, made the yeah. team. Um, but uh, those types of stories, you're just not going to have the amount of reps that, that you're used to, not only in the preseason, but also those, those valuable practice reps and, and just that, that classroom time. I mean, these guys are getting classroom time in via Zoom, but uh, there's something to be said about actually putting it out on the field, whether it's a walkthrough or, or just a regular practice. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, you bring up the Zoom classes, and I think a lot of people are curious to see how the rookie class in particular, you know, Justin Herbert, Kenneth Murray, and those guys are handling – you know, the off season without OTAs. And have you heard anything about the rookie class, how they're doing with the Zoom and how excited they are to, to get into training camp? Well, I know all of them are excited, uh, you know, having a chance to talk to a lot of these guys uh, throughout the off season. Um, you know, a, a guy like Justin Herbert, I think he said it very nicely. Um, he's, you know, you've seen him out, you know, I've seen Austin on, uh, on his Twitch. Uh, yeah. Justin's just uh, handed off to him and, and Joshua and uh, uh, Justin Jackson. So I think Justin Herbert is set up nicely because you have a veteran in the, in the room in Tyrod. Um, Tyrod knows the playbook for the most part, having been with Coach Lynn and even any changes that may be made this year with, with the absence of Phillip. Um, Coach, uh, Coach Lynn and Tyrod had that familiarity with each other. And Shane Steichen 
uh, had, had spent a year with Tyrod as well. So uh, couldn't have a better guy to learn from for Justin. And Justin just has to continue to do what, he, what he's been doing, you know, um, kind of take that leadership role. Um, you know, I know that he's been throwing with some guys and, and, and getting together with some of his teammates and then learning the playbook right now. You know, the, the hope is for the Chargers that, that, that Tyrod has a good year and, and Tyrod can, can, can do some things with this new look offensive line. And, um, you know, you talk about maybe, you know, some of the best set of weapons, uh, probably the best he's, he's ever played with Tyrod, but you know, around the NFL, you, you look at Keenan and, and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. I mean, those are four reliable pass catchers that Tyrod's going to have. And then you, you talk about Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly too, uh, with that running game, kind of filling that void of Melvin Gordon, um, Tyrod is in good shape and let's not forget that he can also make some plays with his legs. So right. um, he may be taken off a few more times than Phillip does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so, man. I, I you know, I, I went back and watched in the off season, all of Tyrod's film just to get excited and get an idea for what he has. And, you know, unfortunately his, his days in Cleveland were not very fun to watch. I think, you know, they did not do a good enough job of, of supporting him, but I'm excited to see what Anthony Lynn has planned for him. And obviously, but you, you know, know what, Stephen, you look at those weapons that he had in Cleveland versus what he has here and, and actually having that year in that quarterback's room, getting familiar with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, right. getting familiar with Hunter Henry, and, and then having that familiarity with Coach Lynn. Uh, I think you can't understate that. The, the time that they spent in Buffalo together uh, were, when Tyrod was a Pro Bowl quarterback, frankly, that, that one year. So um, I think that he is set up for success in that regard. He's yeah. going to have the best set of weapons he's ever played with. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, another exciting addition for me personally is the offensive line coach, Mr. Campen. I'm so excited to get him into the building and see what he can do, particularly with a guy like Trey Pipkins. Uh, what do you think that addition to the coaching staff is going to mean for the offensive line and particularly someone like Trey Pipkins? Well, I think it's big because Coach Campen, as you said, he's – he's an experienced guy in this league, proven track record in Green Bay. Uh, he gets one of his former pupil, pupils and Brian Balaga on the right side. You bring in Trey Turner, 26 years old, five Pro Bowls the last five seasons. And that, that left tackle situation, I remember Campen talking about this this offseason, that, hey, it's, there's an open position at left tackle. Who wants it, essentially, is what, what he yeah. said. You got a guy like Trey Pipkins. Maybe you move Sam Tevy over from the right side to the left side. Tread Scott. Um, so there are some candidates there. I mean, even Forrest Lamp played tackle in college. Um, so I'm interested to see what that left tackle position is going to look like. Uh, Trey Pipkins got some valuable reps last year, um, really kind of thrown into things as a rookie third round pick at a small school. So uh, I, I think it was beneficial for Trey to get that experience. Uh, and hopefully that carries over into the 2020 season. But you're right. I, I think Coach Campen is going to do some things with this mm -hmm. offensive line. And again, it goes kind of in concert with the quarterback. Um, the, the theme with all three of these quarterbacks in the room is they, they're all mobile. You know, Justin right. Herbert had three rushing touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. Easton Stick, uh, we know what he did with his legs at North Dakota State. And, of course, Tyrod. So um, I think that you're going to see a different offense. Um, I looked at some of these offensive numbers from last year, and you have to throw a lot of them out the window because it's just going to be a completely different operation without Phillip without having a guy like Melvin Gordon back there. And obviously the offensive line is going to be different um, from the personnel on the right side to the coach camp. And as you mentioned. Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff. A lot of good information. I have one last question for you. Um, you know, we've talked a bit about maybe someone on the team that could 
surprise some people this year. You know, I think there's, there's a few kind of guys that, you know, we have talked about, but if you had to pick a guy or two that you think is going to come out and really surprise people and have a, a stellar season, who would you, who would you pick? You know what? I'll give you, I'll give you a guy on offense and a guy on defense. Perfect. Um, the, the guy on offense has shown it. I think he's going to have his best year yet. And that's Hunter Henry. When, when Hunter Henry is healthy, he is a, a top five, top seven tight end in this league. He can block. Uh, he's a great pass catcher. Um, so I really do think Hunter is primed to, to break out. He, he's had some bad luck with injuries and just, just tough, yeah. tough things that, that I don't think are, are injuries that are like, okay, this guy is injury prone. I think they're just kind of like things that have happened. Um, he's young enough. Uh, and I think he's going to be a big part of this offense in, in 2020. Um, Coach Lynn mentioned Rayshon Jenkins on Adam Schefter's podcast this year as, as a breakout candidate. Rayshon played 99% of the snaps. I think Rayshon is going to get even better this year. But the guy I'm going to give you is Drew Tranquil. And everybody I've talked to this offseason, um, Daniel Jeremiah in particular, said that no one in the country is talking about Drew Tranquil right now. And, you know, he was a standout on special teams last year, but you saw him get integrated into the, the defense. He had a, a few tackles for loss against uh, Denver late in the year, started three games. The combination of him and Kenneth Murray for years to come um, is something that I'm excited about. And when we talk about these these additions like Linval Joseph and Chris Harris Jr., um, the linebacking core could be sneaky good this year. We're right. talk about Uchenna Nuosu in year three. If Kenneth Murray can pick things up quickly as a rookie, um, I, I think that obviously bodes well for the Chargers. But to have a guy like Drew Tranquil, the, the passion that he plays with, a former captain at Notre Dame, uh, I know the, the, the team is high on him, expecting him to contribute. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Drew Tranquil this year, both on special teams and defense. That's awesome. I, you know, I think those are both are, are really spot on and I'm looking forward to seeing how, you know, there's so many young guys on this team that I'm just really excited to see how they take a step in year two, year three, like you mentioned with Jenna Nos and Andrew Tranquil. So uh, Chris, that was a, a lot of great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us and a uh, little uh, funny coincidence here, you guys, for our listeners, Chris has this picture of his dog behind him and uh, <laughs> his dog name is named Sully. And my dog is also named Sully. So a little bit of a small world coincidence there for you guys. There you go, man. Shout out to the Sullys, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we wish you well and looking forward to seeing your continued coverage on the Chargers. Steven, anytime, buddy. I appreciate you, man. Thanks very much. I think that was a really good interview. You know, that we talked a lot about, you know, just how the season is going to unfold and things like that. And, you know, we're getting more information. But, you know, I think the Chargers – are you know, we're very fortunate as, as Chargers fans with the amount of content that comes out of the Chargers camp with Chris Harry and Haley Elliott and things like that. And uh, I thought his his information that was about Hard Knock specifically, you know, and just the kind of media content that is going to be impacted by COVID nineteen is really interesting. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. We're so grateful that Chris took the time to to come on in, in this busy time. Uh, we're going to shift to our top 10 quarterbacks now. Uh, similar to our wide receivers, we're going to go just 10 through 1, each of us uh, one at a time. Um, the top five, we all have the same guys. It's just in a different order. But, you know, 10 through 6 is a really interesting conversation. Uh, we'll start with Jason this time. Jason, who did you end up deciding to put at number 10? For the number 10 quarterback on the top 
Top 10 <laughs> quarterbacks list. I picked Matthew Stafford of the Detroit nice. Lions. And I just, um, it, there's not a lot of good quarterbacks. He sucked less than a lot of guys. That's why I put him at 10. That's fair. Alex, any thoughts? And who is your number 10? I like Matthew Stafford. I have him a little higher, so we'll get to him uh, a little bit later. But it, I would have ranked him higher other than the injury things. True. I can I can see that, and I get why uh, some people think that way. Um, so number 10, I have uh, Timothy, Jimothy, uh, Thomas, Brady. Um, I didn't want to do this, but I started to look at the quarterbacks, and I went, man, there's not a lot of good quarterbacks. <laughs> I tried to keep Tom Brady out of the top 10, but unfortunately I couldn't do it. Um, Would you say he's top Brady? Top 10 Brady? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Brady is still decent. He'll probably have better weapons this year than he did last year. Um, I still think the arm is a problem, but uh, he's accurate enough and, you know, he has enough experience to make it work. So yes, just enough experience. Just, just, just enough. Tw- only twenty years of experience. Um, you you could say that you couldn't stuff forward to keep him off the list. Ha <laughs> 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 These puns, man. Uh, um. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think this is kind of a thing that I want to generally talk about, where it's like, man, quarterback is not that deep um, as it's been in uh, as it's been in recent years. And um, it's uh, it's a pretty thin position right now, and that's why Tom Brady honestly cracks my top ten. He's decent enough, uh, accurate enough, and he'll have good targets. So, top ten, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting conversation for sure. You know, each of us feels like one through five is pretty safe, and then you know, like twenty-five to thirty-two is pretty safe. And really anything in the middle is, you know, you can make an argument for any of those guys to be in this kind of area. And really, for me, what this comes down to is is the upside factor for me. And, you know, I'm not talking about like building a franchise or things like that. But, you know, in this kind of range, I want, I still want someone that I think could potentially carry an offense and carry a team. And so that's why I didn't pick Tom Brady. That's why I didn't pick Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why I didn't pick Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm actually going with Kyler Murray here. I like it. I know it. that this is this is a bold take. I think maybe I don't really know. I I don't think it's that bold, but it's just for me in this kind of range. I want someone that is either you know in a, a top tier game manager or someone that I think could take that next step, and that's what Kyler Murray is for me. The addition for, of DeAndre Hopkins is going to be huge for him, and he's got a top tier receiving core himself with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. And Kenyon Drake is a really solid running back who gives him, you know, some nice upside out of the backfield. And they invested in the offensive line. So I like the direction that the Cardinals are going and building around Kyler Murray. And I think he's ready to take that next step. Uh, Jason, you're number nine quarterback. My number nine is Tom Brady. And I, I know I'm kind of, I didn't want Tom Brady to be a charger. There's a lot of different reasons than right. him being a top ten quarterback. So I already I hear the fans saying, "But but you didn't want Tom Brady on the Chargers. You you didn't want him here. But why is he want top his contract? 10? Yeah, I didn't want his contract and the amount that he would actually help the Chargers. I don't think it would be that great. And 
it's just you know the Alex already kind of hit on it. Just the the pre snap recognition, the, the experience, the high football IQ, the accuracy. Uh, he's going to have an efficient football season. I don't think it's going to be a great season. I don't think it's even going to be a good season. I think it's going to just be a, a, a solid season, and everybody's going to be quote unquote surprised. But that's how it is. Um, Alex, any thoughts? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean I pretty much agree with. Uh, the take on Brady, like I said, I had him at 10. Uh, at number 9, I have Rain uh, Dakota Prescott. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Dak is uh, all right. He, <laughs> this is kind of the thing. I don't really start getting excited talking about guys till I hit, like, the next one. But um, Dak is all right. I, there are some games where he looks really awesome, and then some games, like the Chicago game or the New England game last year, where it just... He looked kind of out of his depth, uh, or the game against the Eagles of Philadelphia. Um, I I just I think it's I think Dak still has some room for improvement, but you know it's getting to the point where it's like he has all of these weapons, and it's still kind of a little bit subpar production. I do still think he you know he did throw for five thousand yards, you know, so he is. He is still a solid quarterback, and I, I put him at kind of the edge of the top 10 here. Um, but it's kind of getting to be a little bit put-up-or-shut-up time for Dak. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's getting to be that time, and he wants that big contract. The Cowboys are pretty hesitant about it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think Dak has a good chance for success this year. Um, we'll see what the Mike McCarthy kind of new scheme is with uh, Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. I'm uh, curious to see how that goes. But um, I have Dak at number nine, and honestly, depending on how he does in 2020, I could see him climbing higher up the list, or I could see him going lower. Um, it, it really yeah. could go either way for him. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think, like I mentioned, 8 through really like 15, you know, it's just a bunch of guys that you could really switch around. Um, I agree. I think Dak is solid. I don't think that he's going to ever be the kind of guy that is going to like carry a franchise. You look at the situation that he's been in, and in the games that Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick missed last year, he was pretty bad. So I think, you know, that just kind of speaks. He needs things around him to be essentially perfect. And, you know, he's able to produce when it is, which is fine. Uh, just a quick question. Would either of you be surprised if Dak does not uh, stay with the Cowboys after 2020? I'd be surprised just because I think we, we kind of already talked about this on the podcast, but I basically said, or we, Jason and I have basically said, like, they've already kind of set up their roster, so they have to sign Dak. Um, right. And I know they're still kind of there's still disagreement there about the contract and exactly how long it's going to be but you know he can kind of Kirk Cousins his way into the franchise tag anyway um the interesting thing is the franchise tag because the two previous examples of the franchise tag are Breeze with the Chargers and um uh, Kirk Cousins with the Redskins or sorry football Washington team um (laughs) uh so yeah you had those two uh kind of examples and both of them actually left um, to go get the bag in New Orleans and uh, New Orleans and uh, Minnesota afterwards. So I could see Dak leaving. I guess it's just like 
I don't know if I see a team throwing a ton of money at Dak that's not the Cowboys. Like, right. I mean, at that point, wouldn't you just be better off drafting a quarterback? I don't know. Skip Bayless would have a heart attack if he was <laughs> oh, no. the Cowboys. <laughs> all these puns, man. You got to get uh, all the puns out before you leave for basic training. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I would just say that I know they kind of put themselves into a position where they kind of have to resign them. And I know I said that, but I'm just going to redact that statement (laughs) and, and say that, you know, if they're put in a good position to go pick up somebody else, they, I could see them moving on from him. Uh, but I also can't see them with that roster having that bad of a record, but you know, with Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Jamie Newman, I think there's going to be a chance for teams that have a Dak Prescott on their team to move on and um, move forward. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, So my number nine, much to Jason's dismay is going to be Matt Ryan. Uh, I don't love Matt Ryan. I just feel like in terms of like the game manager quarterbacks, I feel like he's probably one of the better ones. And, you know, I don't know if I would trust him in, you know, in a fourth quarter, you know, down by down by ten to lead a comeback. But I think he is pretty solid across the board, and I don't think that he's going to be a reason that a team is terrible. Which again, this is kind of where we're at with the quarterback position in this range. Uh, Jason, your thoughts and who's your number nine? Uh, my number eight, you mean? Um, number eight, yeah. Sorry, for Matt Ryan, it's. I, I agree with it, actually. I agree with the with the spot, and I think after I took a look at all the quarterbacks in the league, it was just like, I can't put many above Matt Ryan. I can't put right. many below. Like, or I, I can put many below Matt Ryan. It's just, it's not very... Yeah. Not I see what you're saying. He's not, an elite, he's not an elite guy, but you know he's better than a, a Teddy Bridgewater and a Ryan Tannehill, and I think he's better than Dak, obviously. So I, I see what you're saying, Alex. Uh, no, I agree. Oh, do you want me to oh, get my it? number eight? I thought it was I'll, your turn. I also need my number eight. Mm. Huh? Um, so my number eight is going to be Drew Brees, and it was no breeze putting Drew Brees in the top Jesus ten. Jesus Christ! There was some. <laughs> it, it took a little bit, um, but you know, originally. Originally, I had Breeze a, a spot higher, but I, I had to kick him down a little bit just because Drew Breeze, he's going to have the high stats. Do I think he will end the year top 10? I don't think so. Uh, just because the rookies are going to take the spots. Uh, they're going to take that late spots. I think Kyler's going to step up. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little tough on whether or not he stays there. But for me, Drew Brees is just too consistent, you know, and he's he's too accurate in the intermediates, and he has the receivers for it, the short to intermediates. They're just going to do what they do well, which is run the ball, throw screens, and throw slants. And Drew Brees is going to execute it to perfection. And and it's unfortunate for me to say it because I don't like the receiver that he throws to, but whatever. <laughs> um, Alex, you're number eight. I'm going to call an audible on my list. Uh I had Drew Brees originally higher, but 
I'm going to move them a little lower. Um, I've taken some time to think about it more. And I honestly, like, I think Drew Brees does very certain things good. Like, he's obviously, like, a, a good quarterback. But the age concerns me. His arm's been dead for a while. Um, and it wouldn't shock me... Well, it wouldn't shock me if he had a season relative to his performance, kind of like Philip Rivers had relative to his 2018 performance this year. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see that happen with Breeze uh, and that kind of like steep decline. Um, maybe the roster will prevent him from having that steep of a decline, but I, I just wasn't impressed with what I saw down the stretch from Breeze. He was already injured last year with the hand. Um, you know, he's in his 40s. I, I just, I could see 20, uh, 2020 kind of being a disaster for him, theoretically. There's enough there where I just have some doubts. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I'm actually going to move Drew Brees down a little bit from where I had him before. Um, still very good quarterback. The Saints can get to the playoffs with him, obviously. They're probably going to win the division anyway. They'd honestly probably win the division if their quarterback was Taysom Hill. Um, but it's, um, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I put Breeze at number eight little, t and now we're going to have a clean sweep across the board because I also see Steven's list. Um, but yeah, so I'll put Breeze at eight for, I wonder which quarterback breezed by Drew. Oh <laughs> I use the same pun twice. <laughs> Yeah, so this will be a queen sweep for sure. You know, we had a few of these in our receiver episode. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be huge for, for this Saints team. I don't know how in the world that they were able to sign him. Apparently the cap does not exist in New Orleans. Um, but I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a big-time addition for them. Uh, Jason, you're number seven. So my number seven is Matt Ryan. And, wow. Again, it's just the, the, the quarterback list is just how it shakes out. He has to be up there. Um, there's not a lot of good quarterbacks out there. I think there are quarterbacks with more potential out there. It's just not there yet. Um, so, yeah, putting him that high on the list has me crying a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I was really trying to find quarterbacks to put above him, but it just didn't work out. Um, wow. Uh, okay. So my number we're at seven right now. Yes, I have uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, I put Matthew Stafford at seven. Um, I just see him play really well a lot of the time. Um, just a lot of the time, especially towards the beginning of last year. Like there was that game he had against the Chiefs. Um, you know, there are just games where it's like he was putting the Lions like in that first half of the season before he got hurt. Like, he was keeping them in games, really until um, the game against the... I think the game against the Packers is where the Lions kind of started to collapse a little bit. Um, but they were good for the first, like, four or five games of the season. Then, you know, players start getting injured. Then Stafford gets injured, and things kind of go to shit. Um, but I can't help but feel that if Stafford had a better team around him, a better defense... Uh, you know, kind of better weapons. I mean, he has Galladay uh, and Marvin Jones, but outside of that, he doesn't have a lot. Um, Hawkinson is is all right, but he's not really kind of developed there yet. 
Um, so I don't know. Uh, it's it's always kind of been a rough go of it for Matt Stafford in uh, Detroit, and I feel like if he was on another NFL team, uh, he might very well be in those top five quarterbacks, but it just hasn't uh, played that way uh, in terms of his career so far in Detroit. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so for number seven, I'm going to go Matthew Stafford. I think that's a good call. I think, you know, he could definitely be in the six to eight range. For me, I have seven as Carson Wentz. Uh, I know everyone is, is going to point to the injuries, and, and right, rightfully so. He definitely has to shake this this reputation of missing games, and, you know, similar to how Keenan Allen has had to do this, and Hunter Henry has to do this right now. Um, but in terms of someone that has the ability to carry an offense and carry a team to success. You know, Carson Wentz is a top-tier quarterback, which we saw last year when Greg Ward was his best receiver and Boston Scott was, you know, a leading threat out of the backfield. And really all he had that was consistent throughout the year was Zach Ertz and uh, Dallas Goddard, who's still developing. So, you know, Carson Wentz as a talent is a top-tier quarterback. He definitely needs to shake this, this injury bug, but, you know, you know, he's carried a team to to these amazing seasons when he's been healthy, and I expect that to, to continue going forward. And ho- I'm rooting for this uh, injury bug to, to leave him and hopefully be healthy going forward. Uh, Jason, your number six quarterback. So, yeah, I guess that's the – now we're kind of past the, the the quarterbacks that make us Carson Wentz. And we're now past the the Stafford point. You know, we're back to the quarterbacks actually Matt or um so number six for me is Carson Wentz. And ahead of this point, you're getting into the guys that I think are irreplaceable. I only think there are six quarterbacks in the NFL that are irreplaceable guys. These are it. Everybody else behind them, aside from like rookies and guys on rookie deals or um that are locked into a contract. These are the guys that based on talent are irreplaceable. And Carson Wentz starts it off. And for me, it's just, you, you have all the tools that you need. He's a smart quarterback. Um, Of course the injuries suck, but he does elevate that team. He really does. And he doesn't get enough credit for it. Uh, Greg Ward was basically his most reliable receiver last year. And I actually like Greg Ward a lot. I actually think he's a pretty good receiver, a good slot receiver. He'll be a good wide receiver three. But that was his wide receiver one. And that, he had no, that had no business. Uh, wasn't Greg Ward like a for, former quarterback too? Yeah. So it's like Carson Wentz for me. He just elevates the players. And like I do think that the Eagles are falling victim to what the Carolina Panthers did with Cam Newton, where they're trying to get him these big 50, 50 receivers like Whiteside and Alshon Jeffrey. And that has been proven to not work. If you have a quarterback that has a strong arm, that doesn't mean go get 50, 50 guys. So I think they've greatly mismanaged and misdiagnosed the kind of quarterback that Carson Wentz is, and they need to reevaluate there. But I still think that he is a top six quarterback in this league. Borderline top five, but the next five guys are kind of locked in there. So, well, now the Eagles have pivoted to just really fast guys. Yeah, which so it's well to be determined. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've also of Carson Wentz at six. Uh, he's kind of my boy. Um, but uh, yeah, so 
Yeah, Carson Wentz, as uh, Jason kind of alluded to with Greg Ward and, you know, Boston Scott, as Steven said, uh, he, he was playing with uh, not-so-great pieces last year. Um, and I don't think he gets a ton of credit for that. Um, you know, be- beating kind of this stacked Dallas offense uh, with, you know, Greg Ward and, you know, some scrap metal uh, that was left on the side of the road. That, I don't know, it's really impressive that that team even came close to the playoffs as it was currently constructed last year. Um just with all of the injuries and um, just everything that happened to the team throughout the year. But, uh, yeah, Carson Wentz, I, I don't think it's enough credit. Um, we'll see. I'm curious to see. I, I don't want to say curious. We'll see where he is on the NFL Top 100. Uh, but, yeah, so it's um, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough thing because, like Jason said, I do think there's been some mismanagement with uh, Carson Wentz and, getting him the right receivers, and we'll see what the direction is this year, because they did get uh, Marquise Goodwin, and, uh, you know, so they have Marquise Goodwin, Rager, I, I think Rager's going to be nice, um, so yeah, they have Marquise Goodwin, Rager, Deshaun Jackson, uh, and, you know, some other guys, but, uh, yeah, so I, I hope for the best for Carson Wentz this year, uh, I think he got dealt the blow, because now, Brandon Brooks is out, but Jason Peters will replace him. So we'll see how that experiment goes. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I have Carson Wentz at number six, and I think you could argue that he's absolutely uh, could be in the top five. Yeah, for sure. I think those are for, I think he definitely has that upside. My number six is Matthew Stafford. Um, talent wise, again, you know, I think he's up there with the best of them. Clearly, that's my opinion. Um, but in terms of someone that can come in and carry a franchise to success, I think Matthew Stafford has that ability. It's just he needs at least some help. You know, early on in his career, he basically only had Megatron, and, and they were still relevant. They were still mostly pretty good. Uh, he's never had a 1,000-yard rusher, I believe, unless uh, on Johnson passed that last year. I'm not sure off the top of my head. but I think he did. Okay, or so. no, was it 100-yard game? I don't remember which it was. I think Carryon Johnson is solid, but I think they drafted someone else this year. You know, it's just been a, it's just been a cycle at running back. It's the offensive line has generally been terrible, and you know, Alex mentioned, you know, Hawkinson really needs to come into his own this year for Matthew Stafford to be able to have that kind of safety outlet. Uh, but the talent is there, man. I think he's underrated, and just for the fact that he's been in Detroit and lost a ton of games, I think NFL fans just kind of cast him to the side, which is unfortunate. Uh, so we're now to the top five. You know, obviously, if you're you know you pay attention to quarterbacks around the league, you probably can guess who these players are. Uh, but we'll see if our order is any different. Jason, who is fifth for you? Number five for me is Deshaun Watson. Now, I was tempted to put him a little bit higher, but I think the next four guys have really just they're on their own level. And Watson, I think he's close to being there. I think next year he will be there. He has developed every year he's been in the league. I think next year we'll see him rise up to that top three status, the, the basically the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks um, in the league today. And for me, it was just about the guys ahead of him. It really was. And I think he's close to that step, but he does have to go through reads a little bit better. He has to diagnose blitzes way better. He, he A lot of people blame the line a lot. Uh, a lot of it comes down to Watson. He doesn't 
read the blitz very well and he's learning how to he's getting better at it and that comes with having a better line with like laramie tunzel there and with david johnson there david johnson's a pretty good pass blocker as well so that's going to give him a little bit of help as well so i i think he'll be better this year i think he needs to take less sacks he needs to realize how to identify these blitzes and these uh these stunts he needs to know how to move in the pocket a little bit better um, he resorts to that backyard football run around in circles a little bit too much instead of the subtle movements that are required for the position to to be able to put yourself onto a platform to, that allows you to make the tough throws. And too many times he takes himself off of that platform. So that's why Watson, for me, is fifth instead of somewhere like third. Um, I also have Deshaun Watson at number five. Uh, so I guess I cheated off Jason's list before the show or something. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I have Deshaun Watson at five. I, uh, he's really solid. I mean, it, it would be great if he had someone like DeAndre Hopkins. He's never had that uh, <laughs> on the Texans. And, uh, so, you know, uh, I guess we'll see who his number one receiver will be this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think Deshaun Watson is really going to show out even without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I think it's a loss for him, uh, absolutely, but... I think he's going to show what he can do, uh, even with maybe uh, a not-so-great group of receivers. Uh, Randall Cobb is there for some reason. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I like Deshaun Watson a lot. I I do kind of agree with some of the things that Jason said, specifically kind of just being able to um, read blitzes better and being able to kind of see pressure maybe in the field a little bit better because he he does kind of get himself in trouble sometimes um you know you know there was a point in his career where he was taking so many hits that uh you know he had to ride the bus uh because he couldn't fly due to a punctured lung uh so that that is the concern with him is just taking those hits and he's gonna take hits because um because of the way he plays and because he's so kind of athletic, but you know, I just if he can reduce the hits he takes and you know can really ball out with this uh, receiving group, I uh, totally agree with Jason that he could move into uh, the top three. Uh, yeah, I, I totally think that's feasible in 2020. Um, depends on this offense, and we'll see how this offense goes forward without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so that's a particularly big loss, but we'll see how what happens. Yeah, he's got a little uh, Cam Newton recklessness to him in terms of out-of-the-pocket out maneuvers and things like that. So uh, he definitely needs to be able to learn how to, to slide yeah. and not take as many hits. Except that he's not as big. Right. And not yes, as... obviously, yes. Because <laughs> Cam Newton is a giant. Uh, so my number five is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Mix it up a little bit here. You know, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out with his hair on fire this year. I think he's going to have an amazing season. Uh, that being said, you know his arm is kind of kind of dwindling a little bit. You know he's definitely in the late stages of his career, and he misses a lot of games recently, and he's banged up. And so I think the health is a concern. And more than anything, I just think the Packers have done an awful job supporting him in terms of weapons, and that you know, has carried over to, into this year as well. You know, I think their offensive line is solid. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, develop without Brian Balaga, but, you know, he doesn't have a good tight end. He doesn't have a good number two receiver. So, I mean, Devontae Adams can only do so much. Uh, Jason, number four for you. My number four is Aaron Rodgers. 
and I agree with you. I think he's going to be a great player this year, and it's a shame they didn't get him more weapons. It really yeah. is. I still can't believe it. They're going to have to rely on Equinemius St. Brown coming back healthy. Which Alan is Lazard and yeah. Devin Funches. Oh, my God. And... <laughs> It's just, it's a shame. If he was on a different squad, he could be on the freaking Jets and have better luck. He really could. I think the Packers are one of the worst front offices in the NFL by a landslide. And Rodgers is still constantly a top five quarterback in the league, which is insane to me. They're one of the worst front offices. They've had some coaching inconsistencies over the last couple of years. Um they had running back trouble for a while, and then they found Aaron Jones. Long time, but, and they had Eddie Lacy, dude. They had they kept Eddie Lacy <laughs> after he got fat. Yeah, and it's like his receivers now are trash. He his best tight end is probably going to be um, some guy they drafted last year that was hurt all of last year. And I don't know if they signed a different tight end. I don't think they did. Um, I don't think so. And the tight end they did draft in the third round. Is actually a fullback. They drafted a fullback in the third round. The guy they're transitioning to fullback. There's from in the third round, AJ Dillon in the second round, who is going to be behind Aaron Jones. Like I don't understand this front office, and yet somehow Aaron Rodgers is still going to be a top five quarterback in the league, and somehow people are still going to find reasons to say that he's not even top ten anymore, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And man, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is just he. It's it's one thing for Deshaun Watson to wow you with big plays to DeAndre Hopkins. It's another for Aaron Rodgers to wow you with plays to some five eleven white receiver you've never heard of, like he did in the car with the Cardinals, or throwing Hail Marys to five ten, five eleven Randall Cobb. And he consistently does this. He'll throw a dime to Geronimo Allison. Uh, fantastic name, by the way. And Alan Lazard and Equinemius St. Brown. These guys that just, huh. You know, it reminds you of, like, giving him, what was the the one year where, with Philip Rivers, it was uh, Herndon. Javante Herndon, was that his name? And that was Philip Rivers' wide receiver one for a little bit there. I don't know if any either of you remember that. It was very bad times. And it was just... Aaron, it was obvious that Philip Rivers took a big step back, but Aaron Rodgers, he remains top five when he has receivers like that on the squad. And there's stats that Aaron Rodgers is actually better when Devontae Adams is off the field. And it's like, if you could do that with nothing, I I can't even imagine if he was on a good team. If he was on an average, averagely run team, how good he would be. So that's why he's number four for me. I wanted to put him higher, but these next three guys have proven themselves so well that it was hard for me to do so. They're also all younger than Aaron Rodgers is by quite a few years. So that's Aaron Rodgers' number four on my list. Uh, If the Packers need a tight end, they can always call the Bears up in the same division (laughs) and uh, give them, I don't know, maybe a fifth, sixth-round pick for one of their 35 tight ends. But uh, Hey, hey, Bears, if you give us your best tight end, we'll give you – three <laughs> tight ends there you go. well their best tight end is probably jimmy graham who the packers used to have so no i i i would say that they're uh the guy they just drafted out of notre dame is Komet. It was out of notre, that's the guy they drafted right commit yeah. yeah 
I would say he's better than Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's awful. So, uh, at number four, I have Lamar Jackson. Uh, so, Lamar Jackson, he's the MVP of the league. Um, he, of course, zoomed up everybody's, uh, everybody's rankings this year, really. Um, you know, especially Bill Polian's. Uh, but... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I was never a converting Lamar and a wide receiver guy, but I also didn't think that Lamar was going to be a top five quarterback. Um, I thought that he would be kind of in that 10 to 15 range, um, but he's proven himself to be kind of leaps and bounds above that. Uh, and, you know, I honestly think this, this Lamar Mahomes thing is going to be, you know, this generation's Brady Manning. Um, you know, I think that that's kind of what we're headed for here. Um, so yeah, the Ravens are, Ravens are really solidly built around him. Uh, you know, Harbaugh was a guy who weirdly kind of had his job kind of in the air for a while, and then Lamar came, and John Harbaugh's pretty safe now. Um, yeah. so yeah, but, uh, you know, Lamar's just really fantastic this year. Just the, the things that you can do with him as your quarterback really remind you of, um, like oh four Michael Vick like that that's it's really what it reminds you of uh whenever you watch him just that 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 insane run he had against the Bengals where he like spins like 10 guys on his way to the end zone is still one of my favorite plays I've uh, I've seen ever in football but um you know he's uh he's got the athleticism he's got the mobility he's uh and he improved as a passer a lot uh, I think there was yeah, drastic improvement from where he was, you know, consider, you know, think about that 2018 playoff game versus the Chargers um, and, you know, how he improved uh, since then, right? So, yeah, no, for me, uh, I I debated a bit uh, between Lamar and Deshaun and Rodgers because I think we're all going to have the same one and two, uh, but... Yeah, I debated a bit between those, but um, I think, uh, yeah, I put Lamar Jackson at number four. I put Lamar Jackson at number four as well. Um, You know, he's got a bit of like a Giannis factor to him, where if Giannis ever develops a consistent three-point shot, he's going to be unstoppable. And if Lamar Jackson can be like a really accurate passer, no one's going to be able to stop him. And, you know, you combine that with how good the Ravens have drafted and manipulated the free agent trade market you're getting marcus peters and Calais campbell and guys like that you know the ravens and chiefs in the next few years is going to be you know like alex said you know patriots and colts 2.0 it's going to be an amazing rivalry and an amazing duel every time that mahomes and lamar get out on the field together and you know he's just so electric with the ball in his hands and i think if you put him as of like like alex said i'm not i was never in the camp of like switching positions but if you put Lamar Jackson as a running back, I think you're looking at like an Alvin Kamara type player. Just someone that would could be so electric and do some crazy things with the balls in his hands. But as a quarterback, you know, I think his accuracy issues were always overstated. I thought that his accuracy was fine at Louisville. It was not like perfect, but it was okay. And he's definitely made some strides here and you know, he had an amazing season and I would expect that to continue. Uh Jason, number three for you. Patrick Mo- um uh it's Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and for me, it's just I'm gonna ride this train, man. I am because I swear I was one of the only Lamar Jackson truthers when he was being drafted. 
I was one of the only ones I caught so much crap because I said he was going to be the best quarterback in that class. And he, he is. is. Yeah. It, Pretty it, easily, too. Yeah, by a landslide. And people ignored the great things he does as a passer because they couldn't get past him running. People hate running quarterbacks. They really do. And he is one of the most natural pocket passers when it comes to maneuvering subtly. The things I was talking about with Deshaun Watson, those subtle movements in the pocket that allows him a platform to throw. And that's a good point. Like a subtle move to the left, a subtle move to the right. And when you add his mobility, it's like, could you imagine if Philip Rivers could have ran (laughs) how much like those subtle movements would have made a difference. But instead it was like watching like a freaking, it was not great. It was not great with Philip Rivers. It is great with Lamar Jackson watching him run. And the thing about Lamar Jackson is he has developed every single year that he has played football. He has gotten better. From his freshman year of college to now, he has gotten better every single year. Every single game, he has gotten better. And so for me, I wouldn't be surprised if some put him past Wilson next year. Obviously, you need that consistency over time. But for me, Jackson is just a phenomenal football player. He's a phenomenal uh, athlete. And I don't think he's as far as people think away from being a phenomenal passer. I think he does have some things he needs to work out. The accuracy will always be somewhat of a problem. It's always going to be a problem to an extent, but it's his high football IQ, his understanding of NFL defenses. Um, I said football IQ. Get that stupid test out of the way. <laughs> Everybody, the, the stupid, wonder lick. Yeah. Um, he, he understands how to look off safeties. He understands how to use his legs to his advantage and manipulate defenders with that. He understands how to throw receivers open the way he threw people open in the red zone was ridiculous. That throw to Miles Boykin where he threw back shoulder um, was just ridiculous. And it's that kind of stuff that is going to make Lamar even better going into next year. And why I'm confident putting him in the top three. I just I don't think he's going to take a step back. If anything, he's going to take another step forward. He has never taken a step back in his career. And so I don't see why he would start right now. Uh, at number three, I have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I have Aaron a little bit above Lamar and Deshaun. Uh, I could have debated it. Either, I kind of debated it either way. Um, and I think that there's obviously a 2020 future where, you know, if Aaron Rodgers declines a little bit, and, uh, Lamar and Deshaun move up, right? I can ab- obviously say uh, Lamar, both Deshaun, Lamar, and maybe even Carson, Um kind of crossing into maybe over Rodgers, right? That 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 could theoretically be something that happens. Um, but for now, I have Aaron Rodgers in number three. Um, I I think Aaron Rodgers on the Packers is, or for the last, like, five years, has been, like, you know, LeBron on, like, the 2007 Cavs. It's just, like, uh, a man trying to do everything in his power to will this, as Jason said, subpar football organization uh, over the finish line. And um, he's come close a few times, but, you know, he got to the the NFC Championship game with an okay Packers team, really. I mean, it it was... The defense was was better. Um, I agree with that. The linebacker core still sucked. Right. Their defense was better. Defense was better. Um, Still, though, that, that offense and... 
you know, we'll see, we'll see kind of how they, uh, decide to go and replace, uh, did they really replace Balaga at all? Uh, not that I know of. Right. No. I think they had a guy sitting there, though, that they had confidence mm. in. Okay. But I don't think they replaced him in the draft or anything. Right. Um, I guess we'll see with what the Packers are this year. I I think it's just going to be another kind of episode where like the Packers will sneak their way into the divisional round or the NFC Championship, and then they'll get smacked by whatever team is you know better constructed than them. And Aaron Rodgers will unfortunately fall again and un- unfairly get criticized for losing again. But I uh, no, so I think Aaron Rodgers is a top three quarterback in this league, uh, and I know we're, now we're going to have the top two and the you know pretty much two and one, um, are the exact same in all our lists probably. So I uh, it's a it's a good thing too because we're at the hour mark now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my yeah. So my number three is Deshaun Watson. Real quick, um, I love Deshaun Watson. I totally understand the criticism that. Uh, Jason laid out he does need to get better at the mental aspect of things but I'm just a big believer in his ability to to really carry this team and that's what I've been watching the last couple years you know he took 60 something sacks in 2018 and still they won the division and then this last year they improved a little bit Um, obviously I'm worried a little bit about the DeAndre Hopkins loss and whether or not Brandon Cooks or Randall Cobb or Uh uh, Will Fuller are actually able to be a number one I think to be fair those guys are all really good at finding ways to get open once the play is breaking down. Randall yeah. Cobb is very good at it. Yeah, that's true. From his days with Aaron, I think maybe that's kind of why they were constructing this team is just have a bunch of guys who can get open after. You could have had all those guys and DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> that's true. They could have. They could have. Uh, but I'm definitely a little worried about just the direction of the playmaking uh, staff around him. So, I assume all of us have Russell Wilson at two. And Patrick Mahomes at at number one. Uh, Is there any world in which next year you, either of you would think that Lamar, Deshaun, you know, Alex mentioned Wentz, would jump Russell Wilson and maybe make it interesting for the number one spot? Uh, No. I don't think so. Jump Russell Wilson? Yes. Oh, Okay. I think Watson or Lamar could make a case to get ahead of Wilson. I don't think it will happen, but I think that they absolutely have the chance to. I think one through five is just – I think one and two are pretty much locked in, and three through five is kind of like going to be a little carousel. Um, I think – I also think Cam Newton will get a chance to, to involve himself into this top ten. And maybe get towards the top five. I don't know. It just depends on that healthy arm. If I think I think if he's healthy, he's going to be in this. He's going to be a debate for top five, hands down. But in terms of anybody passing Wilson, it would have to be between Watson, Rogers, and Jackson. I think Rogers could do it. I don't know about Jackson or Watson. For Jackson, he would have to take a big stride, and he would have to win in the playoffs. Uh, for Watson, I I can't see it just because of the team around him. Losing DeAndre right. Hopkins is a big deal, but if he puts up big numbers with the the cast he does have now, I could see people maybe putting him above Wilson. But it's also not something that happens over one year either. 
the reason people love Wilson so much is because he consistently carries that Seahawks team. It's not like the Seahawks team is really good around him. Like, it's not that good. <laughs> he carries that team uh, on his back. And so I I could see there being a chance that one of those guys in the top five um, goes by Wilson and, and cements himself as like the number two guy. I can't – I can – Lamar Jackson is the only one that can make it interesting against Patrick Mahomes, I think, at this point, because they're both young. And that's what people are going to be looking at. Who's the next young guy? Is it going to be Michael Vick versus uh, the... It's going to be arms versus legs, you know? It's going to be the dynamic running QB versus the dynamic throwing QB. The insane hurdles and spin moves against the no-look passes and that such. Um, And people are going to go with the arm because people don't like rushing quarterbacks, but it, I could see it getting into a conversation. I could see it being a debate. I could. Um, I could see it being a debate over Wilson. I don't see it being a debate over Mahomes at all. Um, the scary thing to me about Mahomes is that Mahomes is uh, possibly going to get better. <laughs> right. We, right. We, because he has a right. lot of issues right. as a quarterback we talked to, that his talent hides. Yeah, I mean, people have talked about how, like, he kind of only started to really, like, read defenses, like, pretty recently. Like, you know, um, at the NFL right. level. So, like... Like, he could... He threw people... He threw to people that were open, and he got away right. with it because it got there so fast. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, it's honestly, like, Mahomes has another level to his game that he has right. to unlock. Um, and that's that's the scary thing to me, if, if you're anyone in the NFL particularly us Chargers fans, you know, <laughs> who sit around, you yeah. know, waiting for the mighty... <laughs> Justin Chester. Herbert will make it a competition <laughs> with his big arm. Uh, uh, and Josh Allen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, so, no, I, um, I think Wilson could be pushed. I still think, ultimately, it's going to be Mahomes 1, Wilson 2. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's ultimately yeah, sure. still going to be that. And then you'll have... Su- Probably Rodgers depends on how he plays this year, if there's kind of signs of decline. And then I think you'll have that uh, Jackson, Watson, Wentz group kind of battling uh, for kind of the next um, the next guys after, or maybe uh, who's the guy to leap to, to three. I think I think the guy who, who will be three next year will either be Rodgers or it'll be one of the guys from that uh, Jackson, Watson, Wentz, uh, group. I could also see Kyler Murray jumping into that yeah, top five conversation. I was gonna say about Kyler Murray. Um, I could see Kyler Murray being top five next year. I I honestly yeah. could see it. It's he he's yeah. I could see him being kind of that Russell Wilson. Uh, Is type. there a rookie quarterback that you could see making it into this? Um, we'll say into the top six. No, no. I, as much as I love to, I don't think he's going to play enough. And Joe Burrow, I think, is going to, you know, be hard pressed to be really effective this year with, you know, the, the lack of preseason and stuff like that. I think Burrow probably gets into like the top fifteen, and then next year Tua could make it interesting. But I think Tua probably plays, you know, four to seven games. I don't think he plays very much. I think Burrow right. will eventually be a top five quarterback, but he's probably like three or four away years away. I don't see it from him. I see him being a solid quarterback. I don't see him being an elite guy, but we'll see. 
Yeah, that's definitely an interesting conversation. You know, I think with Wilson, you know, there really is a danger here for the Seahawks, which I think they they have shown this sense of urgency because I think they are, are getting this, you know, this vibe of we're potentially wasting this prime of an all-time great, and unfortunately it's going to be you know, an Aaron Rodgers situation all over again. Uh, I love Russell Wilson. Pat Mahomes, like Alex said, I think there is that other gear. Uh, you know, he's talked about that. You know, he went on um, LeBron's barbershop show and, and even said that just mentally he can get so much better. Uh, so we're at hour 11 uh, plus the Harry interview. Uh, any thoughts before we wrap up today, guys? Nope. That's, that's about it for me, man. And um, this is getting close to, or might even be the last podcast. We'll have to see him get, get really busy here. So it's getting close. Uh, I'm gonna miss everybody. Mookie Betts, I I heard that you have gotten uh, a pretty nice contract from uh, the crosstown <laughs> rival or not the, the crosstown team of the Chargers. Yeah, you're both in L.A. Well, we're in Englewood. I don't know where we are now. I don't know L.A. geography. I've never been to California at all. Um, but anyway. Uh, Mookie Betts, I heard you got a nice contract, so go to patreon.com slash guilty is charged, and you can toss us a couple bucks there if you want. Yes. 1% of your contract would be nice. <laughs> just just a Not tiny that. smidge of 1%. Um, yeah, Mookie Betts, if you want to come play quarterback, that'd be cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> he probably could, honestly. Um, yeah, so stay tuned for, you know, we're going to do some more breakdowns on Patreon, and obviously our giveaway is coming up at the end of this week. Uh, so if you do want a chance at that giveaway, make sure you make sure you enter before August first. Um, that's really when the cutoff will be for uh, the giveaway of the Chargers hoodie. Uh, it's been a good episode. I thought this was a, a lot of good discussion. Hopefully, people are you know getting excited about football and I'm cautiously optimistic about the chances that a season finishes. But you know we'll see. So you make sure and follow us all of us on social media where we are very active as well. And uh, make sure you wish Jason uh, uh, good luck and happy trails when he does eventually join the military in a couple of weeks. We're really excited for him and, 14 and days. Uh, happy that someone so of such high character is joining our, our nation's military, which we're really excited about. Oh, you make cry. <laughs> They're going to love my puns there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's going to be so funny. So that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in guys. And we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.